Welcome to Lights, Camera, Reaction, a movie podcast by Team Blue Post. Now, we're not your typical movie podcast. We're not going to discuss the big blockbuster film that opened the week prior, no matter how awesome it is. Basically, we have a list that's hundreds of movies long, and all these films have two things in common. One, they are at least 10 years old. And two, someone somewhere decided that the film was worthy of note. This can mean it is a piece of classic cinema. It could be a cult film, a fan favorite film, or simply a film everyone recalls as bad. And we'll discuss those films, not only from a contemporary perspective, but also whether or not the film has earned its reputation. For this episode of Lights, Camera, Reaction, Kelly Charles and I were joined by our friend James Olson as we watched the anime film Akira. Due to the nature of the list, this will undoubtedly happen again, but I'd never seen Akira before. Neither had Charles or James. So we decided to let Kelly, who has a background in animation, take the lead. So we just watched Akira. Should be noted, we did watch it subbed, so original Japanese dialogue, not the English, and with subtitles. It is a very dense film. So just real quickly to say the synopsis, I pulled it from IMDb. A secret military project endangers Neo-Tokyo when it turns a biker gang member into a rampaging psychic psychopath that only two teenagers and a group of psychics can stop. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, that's... Hearing that helps a lot. Yeah, after seeing the movie, I'm like, oh, okay, that's... Oh, that's... That's what the movie was? Yeah. It's very dense. It's, um, um, it's something that I have watched probably, I think it's like my fourth or fifth time seeing it. Um, and even I don't quite know how to put it in a summary. It's it's hard to do that. None of you have seen this film, right? This is no. the first time for everybody but me? Okay. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll just start with Logan. What did you, what was your like your first feelings of the film? Well, because like I know my past knowledge of the film was literally just like Neo Tokyo Biker sure. Game. And when it started, I'm like oh, this is kind of like Blade Runner. And I'm like, okay, this is really cool. And then it becomes something that I had like, was not expecting. For sure. It was just like, wait, where did we, where did we just turn right and become something completely different? Go into the realm of like paranormal science yeah. fiction real quick. And like, I guess I probably shouldn't have been that surprised because that seems to be a common theme. I've noticed in a lot of the, well, not a lot of the, the few bits of anime I've seen, there's always sure. this weird metaphysical or spiritual aspect to it. Mm -hmm. So I shouldn't have been surprised by it, but I was not expecting it to go the way it did. Right, for sure. Uh, and Charles, so like, what was your, your kind of first feelings? I had not heard of Akira before at all. I had no concept of it. I didn't know. And Kelly was like, oh, you know, it's the one with the red bike. And I was like, what are you fucking talking about? <laughs> so I, I had no um, background going into this. Um, but for the 2% of you out there who have seen Ghost in the Shell but have not seen Akira, very similar. Because I, I was in that. I had seen Ghost in the Shell before. Um, it, it's kind of a very similar vein. There's a lot of, you know, it's got the Neo-Tokyo thing, but even beyond that, like you were saying, like the metaphysical kind of mm -hmm. spiritual thing going on, but in a science fiction take, which, which I loved. Yeah, I, I thought the movie was fantastic, but it was like so dense. Mm -hmm. There's so much there. It's, it's like Inception. There's a lot, but like pretend they're not speaking English. <laughs> James, what was uh, your yeah, feelings? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I agree with you, Charles. That was, you know, like, when, you, when you're watching, you're just like, there's a lot flying at you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of had known of it just because of the kind of quality of the film mm -hmm. and, like, the visual, how interesting it is and kind of, like, the stylized 
way that light is used in the movie a lot. So that was that was one of my favorite things, was just like how pretty the film was. And yes. especially knowing that it's like it's really all kind of handcrafted and there's a lot of things like an animation are they don't seem hard to do but when it's like the camera kind of swiveling around an object or like buildings and stuff kind of seeing it kind of twist yeah it's like that's so complicated and it's just amazing to kind of see how they did that so and, I, I appreciated all of that and something in the 80s too you know where it's not like you have all of this computer technology at, yeah. at hand and I, I think you said when we were watching it like in the credits it says like computer what did it say like computer it's computer artists computer like artists there was six, six of them yeah six <laughs> right and, and in movies now I mean just one section of digital artists from one company of like 20 is I mean just minutes I mean just thousands of names it, yeah. you know and this was six well I mean even the whole movie just was surprisingly few people I mean right, I, I yeah. don't know if the credits were... I don't know if everyone is credited. Because, sure. you know, when you watch, like, Wizard of Oz, it's like, it just puts the cast, and then it's like, yeah, that's it, yeah. bye. <laughs> yeah. like the credits are ten seconds long. Yeah. Yeah, credits... I don't know if it fell, falls into that or not, but the credits were short. They were, yeah. They were, like, what, a minute? Maybe yeah. a minute and a half? I mean, it was a feature, so it just was short for a feature. But even, I think, some TV shows have bigger crews. I mean, it could just be, too, that, like, maybe, you know, they didn't just didn't name everybody, like, every single animator or sure. every single concept artist. Sure. Or maybe it was more like... I mean, I'd have to look it up, but maybe it is more like Labor of Love, a lot of small, or like, small group of people just really worked that hard. I don't know, but... Yeah, I mean, I wonder how long it took to make because it, I mean, but you really kind of see the handcraftedness mm. of yeah. this movie. It, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it feels like a real thing. It, it definitely cool. does. Like I said, it, it, for me, you know, this is like my fourth or fifth time seeing the film. I love it. I've been watching it for years. Um, I find like there's something new that you can grab from it every time you watch it because you're no longer looking at like the same pieces every time you go through your, you instead are looking at newer things. And then after that, you already know about those. So then you find more new things like, which makes it one of those movies where like you can just keep watching it and it's so rewarding every time. Well, and you don't have to follow like on your, on like your second, third and fourth watches. You don't have to try to follow plot. the crazy plot. Right. Of because course. the plot in this film is nuts. It is. Yeah. It's, it's not really about the plot. It's a trip. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of people that are like, okay, are you an important person? No, you're not. I can't right, tell. Right, right. Yeah. For the first 30 minutes, I didn't really know who the main characters were. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. it was like... It's establishing stuff. It was establishing, here's these people, here's this group of people, here's this group of people, mm -hmm. yeah, here's the biker gang, here's the scientists, here's the and military there's, there's guy. Like that rich guy, and I was like... Right. I don't know... Who, like, who, disappeared who, for, like, like most of the movie. He? Yeah. I, I, I think he was just bankrolling, like, the revolutionaries. But he gets to do, like, classic, the purple like, suit guy with yeah. the weasel teeth? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but he gets to do like classic like money guy movie thing where it's like something goes down and he's like I'll, I'm, I'm gonna shove all the money into money with me. shove all the money in bonds and stuff into well, your he, briefcase. He was, you're talking about the leader of the terrorist group, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now I guess we'll move into uh, favorite parts, characters, a moment that you liked, and we'll start with you, Logan. What's kind I of think your favorite? For me, my favorite thing was while watching the film, I realized I'm like, there's isn't really a single character that you go, this is the hero who is likable. Mm -hmm. yeah. Every character on some level, you're kind of like, oh. This person's kind of a shitty human being. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm going to mess up his name. It's Ketsio. Uh, what, um, Tetsio? Tetsio. The, the kid who gets the powers. Yeah. The most sympathetic character becomes one that you're just like, oh my God, he just does not care about anyone but himself. Right, because he starts off as like this sniveling kind of crybaby and yeah. then it's suddenly like, boom, total switch. Like, and then uh, while Kanata does, or Canada, or however <laughs> you want to pronounce the name, that looks kind of like a bastardization of Canada. Uh, <laughs> 
he does scenes and it's almost kind of like for his own gain. It's like, oh, I'm going to help the girl because I think she's cute. Oh, I'm going to go fight the bad guy because he's my friend and I don't like how he told me off. And mm-hmm. he's very selfish. And yet you see like the one thing he did actually do was good. That was good. It was like way in the past because he kind of always protected uh, Tetsuo. Tetsuo. Mm-hmm. But even then he always kind of treated Tetsuo like... Second, you're below me. Yeah, you're below me. Right, and he's a member of a bike gang, right? I mean, yeah. he's not necessarily a good guy, and he kind of goes to like this delinquent school, and yeah. you know, like he's not your typical kind of leading male. Yeah, and it was it was nice. I think that even though like the end, like you have this beautiful ending, at the same time, all the people in it, you're kind of just like, oh, you're all just douchebags, aren't you? <laughs> I think if it had been an American film, they would have totally made Canada more heroic. Oh yeah, especially in an 80s film, like that's yeah. you you make a central character that is kind of you're going to be likable even if you're a biker. I mean, look at something, I mean, it's a little older, but like Greece, you know, he's like this kind of uh, John Travolta's character is kind of this greaser jerk, doesn't care, but like everybody loves charming. him. He's yeah. charming, right? I was actually just thinking about Rebel Without a Cause. Yes. When you guys were talking uh-huh. about that because it's kind of got the same idea where the characters are like none of them are really that likable. Like yeah. the girls kind of a ditz and the main guy uh, James Dean is kind of like I actually feel like uh, a punk for no reason. You know? I feel like uh, Canada is a lot like James Dean in that movie. Yeah, like even like the big red coat and like the slick kind of hair. Yeah. Like he kind of looks like that a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, um, so Charles, for you, a favorite character moment? Well, so at first I want to touch on, James, you mentioned the lighting and the like use of color and stuff. That was what I was impressed by the most. Like, yeah, the film had a lot of really cool stuff about ascending to this other plane and like otherworldly powers and that kind of stuff, which I absolutely dig. Yeah, themes are fantastic. Like, I love that stuff. But for me, what really got me was the use of color. There was color that doesn't get used a whole lot, like this kind of pinky red Mm -hmm. that was like, his car or his bike, his jacket, um, the sky, and then they would play it. I was going to say, whenever they're on the motorcycles, the Tron kind of tailing of the lights. And they would like highlight that by like having that stuff in the foreground. And then the background, it would be like cityscape, but it was like blue, like completely blue. And Mm -hmm. so it would be like very much like two colors playing against each other in one moment, which I thought was fantastic. So I, yeah, I think that was my favorite part of the movie just the visual and kind of stunning nature of it but i thought it was so the thing that like is still sticking with me so i guess it i like it a lot is the comparison that they use when talking about the powers in the film he has all these weird like esp psychic powers and stuff that he's starting to develop they're explaining to the main character what's his name canada Mm -hmm. they're explaining to canada what that power is like what is akira because we've been talking about akira the whole movie and we're basically like Kanada at that point because we're like we have no idea what's going on yeah, who are these people exactly you are him and they're explaining yeah. it to you through him like, yeah so my my that was my favorite part was that comparison where she goes okay so like we're humans right and we came from apes mm-hmm. and before that we came from you know reptiles and birds and stuff and before that we came from fish and before that we came from plankton like plankton and, and before amoeba. that we came from amoebas mm-hmm. and what if you gave an amoeba the power of a human being, right? It would be the king, the ultimate, the most powerful amoeba in the whole world. And that's kind of the comparison that we're looking at is like, take that many steps and now the humans are the amoeba and we're giving that many steps of power back down mm-hmm. to the human. It puts it in perspective for totally. you. Totally. And you're like, yeah. oh my God, whoever got those powers would be a god. Yeah, yeah. unstoppable if they yeah. wanted to be. Like we see with Tetsuo who kind of takes the power and abuses it a little bit, yeah. you know. Well, I would say he goes beyond a little a bit. A little, right. 
I, I mean, watch the movie if you haven't seen it, but, you, you know. Um, he kills people. A lot, a lot of people. Yeah. And he just doesn't care. In fact, he kind of, it seems like he gets some joy in it, too. Because he's been, he's a kid who's been picked on. Right. Is, I, I mean, guess, that's, that's that thing. You don't know what's going to happen to that person. That kind of, a, like, it turns. Like, and suddenly yeah. he has this power well, to repay it tenfold, you know? It's yeah. like. It's the kid or person, like, I, I actually know someone like this, where you get the feeling that they were... Like, I didn't know the person that well, I'll preface it with this. But I got the feeling that he was not necessarily picked on that much, but just not, like, the pop... He wasn't the popular kid sure, in high school. Sure, we all know that person. And he was like, oh, I'm going to be a cop. Mm. And he became a cop. Uh, and I just... Wow. And you just go, you're the person who became a cop because you wanted to have power over people. And yeah. I feel like that's how... That's reacted is all of a sudden he has this power over people and he just is like... I'm going to use it. And he even uses it against his best friend. He, mm-hmm. It goes he, that deep. And in fact, he, I get the sense that he enjoyed using it on Canada. Right. Know? I mean, and as you said, look, I mean, it, you know, even though they're friends, it's like Canada at some point says to him, you know, like, you know, he's kind of beneath you. You're like, he's like, I'm still better than you. I, this is my bike. You don't get to use my bike. Yeah. Even though they're best friends, you said suddenly you're on top now. And how are you going to treat that? Like even your best friend kind of becomes like, no, now you're beneath me and I'm going to do to you what you did to me. Right? It's this table turn. James, yeah. say, um, favorite part, character, moment for you? Like, my favorite part of the movie was sort of, I, lo- I really like that kind of art design of mm-hmm. the future city that has so many layers where I don't know if we really ever see the ground. It's mm-hmm. always like, I just love when it's like, those kind yeah. of roads and like the city is so thick that it's almost like kind of like one piece instead of a whole bunch of separate buildings and like that kind of hospital building that uh, Tetsuo 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 is, is is locked in kind of in the middle of the film where it's sort of like the building is this huge like hulking structure but then it's sort of like it's like cut into like its body a little bit where it's like when you're cut into it oh that's where you see all the windows all the yeah. lights kind of like glowing out of this kind of obelisk type thing yeah it reminded um, me a lot of the designs for Los Angeles and Blade Runner exactly mm-hmm. that it's very similar to that and I wonder I'm just thinking uh, what year is Blade Runner 82. Blade Runner was 80 so it probably borrows a lot from that I just wonder also if there's something about the 1980s that sort of facilitated that kind yeah. of yeah this is what the because they, they're both looking about to the same place in the future about 30 years and it's like what was it from that time period that made people kind of feel like this is I mean the, the movies aren't really designed to be like this is what it's going to be sure. I think it's more yeah. like kind of like a stylized version of what it could be but it's still it's kind of a similar idea where it's still the future I'm putting this in quotes in, in these movies kind of still has like that 80s feel yeah because we've sort of it always goes in a direction that you don't expect I, I think it's interesting to note too just um from what you said there is that you know you, you talk about how the, the 80s kind of picture picture like this dystopian future but it's a very neo everything is always like with these fun colors and this funky like technology right right and, but nowadays in films when we do something that's a dystopian future we have hunger games and we have maze Aeon runner flux Aeon, right we get, we get these things where they're they're about deserts or going backwards as a opposed to going forwards yeah. in, with things, which is kind of an interesting thing. Like, what was it about the 80s and, and even the early 90s with, like, Ghost in the Shell, where you see this kind of painted future of very, like, moving forward with technology and all these colors, and now we kind of go backwards with, like, no color. And, you know, yeah. it's like, what what changed that, I wonder? But uh, um, Apple. Apple. <laughs> I mean, like, look at... Like I mean, like, Matrix that's kind of a joke. Uh, yeah. yeah, and the Matrix. But, like, think of, like, how Apple's technology, it succeeded because it's plain. Mm-hmm. Right, it's like she, she, sleek screen, sleek you know button design, that kind of stuff, and everyone was kind of like, oh, that. 
that makes sense for the future. I like, think. I mean, really, that's yeah, probably not all of it. Sure. But well, now that we have that stuff, well, there's it's not the same. There's also that. And as much as Blade Runner and Akira kind of have these bleak outlooks already from coming from the 1980s, mm-hmm. um, you can't deny the impact that 9-11 had on American oh, cinema sure. and television. Everything kind of just became a it, little bit bleaker. That's a good point. That's a turning point. And so... Because it was like legit bleakness. Because right. le- there was a legit sen- sense of bleakness. So every, that's where you kind of get this weird shaky cam and cinema verite became prominent again. Zombie films. Zombie mm-hmm. films. Like, it just this idea that humanity was always on the brink of absolute loss. Whereas as much as there's this weird desolation of in the future in Blade Runner and Akira, humanity it, was still it, it progressing. Yeah. Right, they were still surviving and they were like, oh, let's build neo yeah, right it, over here. I, I was trying to pay attention to the technology in the film because it's supposed to take place in 2019, right? Mm-hmm. The far future. Right now. <laughs> the part where Tetsuo is getting basically CAT scanned and they have like the rotating mm-hmm. rings that go around his bed. And I was like, whoa, that's pretty sci-fi kind of. And then there was the girl talking on a payphone. Yeah. So like there was like, it was like a, you know, a neon pink payphone, but like she was talking on a payphone to her best friend or whatever. And like, that was the kind of thing was like, of course, like they didn't think about like miniaturization and cell phones and stuff like that. They just kind of like took 1980s, fast forwarded it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it stays like 80s. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. But it's so, like the future. I might be wrong because the way I interpreted it, seeing that payphone in a laundry room, I took it as there are a bunch of these young children who live in these dormitories where they only have like one phone that they have to pay to use. And it's more and like, of like... These kids kind of felt like orphans. Like they were sort of like... Like they even describe luck. him as abandoned. I think that's exactly. at one point. Uh-huh. And to where I was, I looked at that as these guys literally don't even have phones it, so it's almost like it the, might be the prison phone where it's yeah like you just kind of share it, it might be my more modern take on it but i almost feel like there are there's got to be some places in this world where there's living situations like that so as much sure. as neo tokyo is supposed to be this new thing you get this idea that it actually is kind of crummy and you that could think, phone kind of tied you into could also it. think that you know because they talk about this disaster with akira from what happened i would assume like in the 80s or whatever and how it caused this destruction and it, it's almost it was world war three right that could almost be something that almost stunts the technological growth too sure. you know what I mean like if because they saw these old parts of town where they go oh they're in the old section right and it's still all destroyed so maybe there's parts of the town that are still just very old still and, and th- parts that aren't I want to say there was also a line where they make a, someone makes a comment about how people didn't really want progress anymore there's always going to be some people who are Luddites and they kind of well, reject and, technology and it sounds like that society kind and, of well, went through progress that. is what caused World War 3 in, yeah. in this universe right because experimentation on Akira is what caused that to happen. So then people go, okay, we don't want you to do that anymore. And I don't sure. think it was like pe- people being Luddites. Right, right. Yeah. It was sort of like, th- it's so massively built now mm-hmm. that it's like, maybe I think what he meant when he said that was um, that once the city is like good enough, and I feel like in, in most things in life, like, oh yeah, things when they're good enough, it just stops. Yep. And it doesn't get any better. And I think that's kind of why they were. You hit a, you hit a point and you're just like, this is good enough. Yeah. Or even if there is something that is better, if the other thing works good enough, why are you going to try to improve something that exactly. works? Well, and that brings up an interesting point too. Let's talk about the cult that follows Akira in the film. Mm-hmm. So like they, they have like worshippers, right? They, like, they're worshippers. They're like people meeting up in the streets that have that are Luddites. They have no technology. They have beads and paint brushes and stuff and like scrolls and like that's how they're like saying this is where we need to be. Like anything beyond that is like 
bad because look at what happened with Akira in World War Three. Though they worship Akira, what I find funny about it is they worship Akira despite the fact Akira is the exact opposite of that standpoint. Because Akira, ah. Akira is supposed to be this idea of progression and human evolution, and they're saying reject the ways that we have now. You need to like abandon your material possessions. So maybe they are on a quest to enlightenment, but at the same time, they've since they've rejected so much about technology, you could almost say they're rejecting progress as well. I think that it's that Akira was the instrument of reducing mankind back yes. to this moment mm-hmm. that they want to live in. Like, yes, Akira is like advancement and like power and moving beyond what mankind is, right? It also, or he, destroyed so much of Tokyo and reduced Tokyo to rubble for a while, which they thought was cool. So th- I think that's why. Well, it's a god. You're into... seeing the hands of a god, technically. Yeah. I mean, what? And there's people. I mean, I would think it's a very true thing. Like, there's going to be people who are, you know, partially probably fear, but also you admire it. You want to worship this being that has that much power, right? And control over the universe, or so you think. So to move on, just um, my favorite thing, I guess I would say, like, kind of in the same vein as yours, Charles, is um, visuals and stuff with the color. But for me, in addition to that, is the music choice with it. Because the the feeling of, like, some of those, um, like, kind of wood-sounding, like, pipes and stuff like that, I don't know, there's this combination of sound that feels very, like, Neo-Tokyo. Like, very setting that they're putting. Like, it fits really well. And it doesn't pull you from it, but it complements so well that it just sets, like, this great tone, like, right off the bat. And, like, that first moment where the biker gang is out and they're having the chase with the clown gang. The music and the color and all of the really cool, like, motorcycle shots and the zooming around kind of Tron-esque feeling. Like, it's so good. And it just makes me feel, like, the whole feeling of the film, like, in that one moment so quickly. Did you ever find the music to be unsettling at times? Because I did, and some, I don't mean it in like a bad way. Because I found it like made me more on edge during some when it was moments. supposed to be. Right. But yeah. So like the bear kind of coming to life. Yes. Yeah, that music kind of keeps coming back mm-hmm. when like he kind of gets the, the it's weird eerie. hallucinations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, um, I would love to look up the composer. I'll have to do that after this, but it's just, it fits the film really, really perfectly. Oh, it's yeah, great. And it's also one of those scores when, when I was like listening to it while watching, I'm like, this is definitely not a Western score. No, like, I don't no, think yeah. an American, if an American made version of Akira, would it sound anything like that in terms of score? No, it, it, different styles, you yeah. know? I mean, different filmmaking. Well, everything I mean, you could is say different. the same thing about any American film. Oh, if yeah. it was made by the Japanese, it wouldn't sound or look anything like True. it was. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same. Well, yeah, but I, I found it refreshing, I guess, yeah. is the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. thing yeah. about it was it was not t- what I would consider typical or would have been typical to my viewing history. How do we feel like it holds up? It, you know, mm. it does have a huge reputation, has a huge following. A lot of real heavy film people or or animation people like myself love this movie. It's got this huge following. What do you guys? What's your kind of feelings of it? Do you have something that you don't like about it? Or you know, we'll start with you, Logan. I guess my if I was to pick one thing I didn't like about it, as much as I enjoyed the film, by the end I was kind of like I get where we're going. I understand what's going on. Can we please just? Well, the first thing you said when the movie was over was it was about half an hour. Yeah, that, that exactly. I said, like, that's a half an hour too long. And I, it probably isn't a half hour. It's probably more like 20 minutes too long. I felt like the end with the climax just kept going and going. And it's like, I want to say it was right around the point where he destroys the bridge. I was expecting the conclusion to come very close after that. But it just was like, nope, we got to went keep... on to do the stadium scene. And then it went on to do another yeah. thing. And it was just like, I wanted it to just 
we knew it was approaching the big end. We knew it was going to be this big moment, and it just was like, can we please just get there? Mm-hmm. I was ready for the end. I wonder if that's a, a Western take on it. it like not to very say, well not be. To, not to define anything or, or put things in boxes, but sure. like I, I haven't watched a lot of Japanese films, but the ones I have, especially animation, they tend to go on. They'll find a moment and then they'll just like live in it and swim in it, you know, for for See, longer than I find comfortable. For me, I feel like it's almost time to like process because I feel like sometimes, um, especially in films like Akira, there's a lot being thrown at you. And I feel like moments like this one where Tetsu has become this monster and there's this kind of catastrophe that's going on for 30 minutes. It it gives me time to like mentally place all of the things that have kind of happened up to this point and to kind of just let it sink in a little bit. And that's my own feeling for it. But I mean, I could see where it would feel long because it does. Um, but do you still feel like the film holds up? I mean, how do you feel like it is coming from, you know, it's a 1988 film animated. How do you feel watching it for the first time in 2017? I understand completely why people appreciate it. I don't know if I'm going to watch it again. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean I hate it as sure. much as we're recording this, what, an hour, two hours after we watched it. Mm-hmm. I still feel like I'm processing some of it. Yeah. And you will for a while. And so it could be very well one of those ones where the more I process, the more my view change, because I know that's happened with some films before. Absolutely. So I I understand and I appreciate where it came from, and I'm not saying I hated it. It's just more like, a, do I need to watch it again? Do I need to watch it again? Yeah. And I'm, I have haven't come up to an answer with that one yet on whether or not I think it's worth a second watch. Uh, and how about you, Charles? Um, I mean, how do you feel it holds up? But then do you also have something you didn't like about it or? So in terms of like holds up, um, the animation was beautiful. Yes. Right? The the visuals were gorgeous. The sound was beautiful. The plot was relevant today. Mm-hmm. The issues that the characters faced are something that we can find even today. Mm-hmm. So I think that in that respect, it totally holds up. I would like to give it another watch to because this, the the next time I watch it, I won't have to try to understand what's going on, mm-hmm. right? I'll be like, oh, this is the part where blank, blank, and blank happens. So I might give it another watch for that, just so I can try to get some sort of deeper understanding to those, you know, moments. I really want to pay attention to the scientist the next time I watch this film because, like, I feel like he really had a lot going on from the first watch. It was like, oh, it's like science bullshit. Like, let's make a character who but looks like a Einstein. Lot who yeah, is yeah. like the science one, you know? Yeah. And then I think when I say it's like his last scene, you realize he's probably been manipulating stuff since the beginning. Right. And that's why I'm like, I want to watch him yeah. because he clearly made a choice in the name of discovery that led to that moment at the end of the film. So I want I want to be able to try to delve into that when I watch it. But again. overall, it still holds up. Absolutely. Cool. Um, and, and James, kind of, what's your your feeling on this? I'm trying to think of like what what does it need to hold up, especially with a film that does have like a specific time that it takes place, mm-hmm. where it's like you know. Do you feel that it is something that you know? It was watched a lot, like in the '80s. It was very popular. Sure. Do you feel like watching it now? Does it, you know? Is it still something you would enjoy that you still think people should watch? Does it have things that make it kind of worth watching as a, in a modern audience? Yeah, I mean. What I like about it is I'm not I'm not saying like it doesn't stand up, but it's it's a really nice example of especially in animation where it has in that in this that time between then and now it's changed so much that like this film today would be a much different differently made film. Sure. And so it's really nice to like have that kind of like a artifact almost, mm-hmm. but piece of time. Even being an artifact from that time in, in the eighties, it I think I mean I I definitely think it's. It's worth watching. I think that the issues that these characters face, it's not like a 
time-based thing. It sort of transcends that a little bit. It's maybe more, you know, based in not like our decade, but sort of the era that we live in, like the mm. past hundred years in the sort of idea of like, with the amount of, of things that like science brings us, you know, kind of relating to maybe like the nuclear bombs and stuff. It's like, it's like a can versus should sort of argument. Mm. And that's, that is always brought up, but that's kind of a, a new thing that I think we're going to face for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, plot wise, I was wondering, do you guys feel like, Akira is a MacGuffin because I felt totally, like yeah. the whole Akira's time totally. like, oh he's just jars like <laughs> <laughs> it's not an M. Night Shyamalan twist you're just like oh he's I mean, jars it, but like after that like he's more than jars right well I mean he, they, like the like jars the kids spill and he's like <laughs> uh, yeah they magic. bring him back to life yeah but yeah it was like <laughs> well it's jars <laughs> Yeah. And general's like, psych! <laughs> <laughs> like, the I moment he did totally that, I was just it. like, ugh, I hate what? everyone in this movie in that <laughs> moment. Was when it's like, oh yeah, he's actually just a bunch of jars. It's Imagine like, the colonel just sitting there like, <laughs> going after Akira. <laughs> they find, like, I love that, like, just above absolute zero, like, these, like, layers of, like, Oh yeah. And you think it's some big... Like, that is awesome. Like, he's gonna get out of it somehow and be like, yeah. Yeah. And he's jars. And it's just jars. But I mean, I, I I like it better now that I think about it. That right. It's not like well, it's not what you expected. Like the Godzilla monster right. or whatever. It's just like oh, the monster was within us. <laughs> and, and that was um, a cool. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because there was one of the characters said something like, um, "Oh, well, this power is in every everyone." Yeah. Right. And so like. Because I was kind of trying to piece together, like, why did Tetsuo get these powers? Is it because he interacted with that green zombie kid? Like, what happened to make him have this? And then I started to be like, oh, it's when people, like, experience the powers. It kind of, like, awakens them in, like, other people is what it seemed to be. Like when you sort of collide with it? Yeah. It was like he, he, like, hit the kid on the bike, but then the kid, like, put up a force field. So, like, he experienced that force field, got the powers, or whatever. So it was like that was another point. Was like if he he's using that. his powers mm-hmm. on like all of Tokyo, who's to say that like all of those people aren't exposed mm-hmm. to this? You know yeah. what I mean? And like or that, that, that kind of white ball of light at the end yeah. kind of expands through. You know, yeah. is that giving these powers? I was wondering because weren't the little kind of like green children? They were created, right? I don't think they were. No, because no, th- there was a flashback where the kids were like playing in the nursery. I think, they weren't, they weren't I think it's a side effect of, yet. and then they yeah. had those like kind of. It's it's a side effect of the medicine yeah. that keeps the the powers in check. Oh, okay. oh is that what it is? Because mm-hmm. uh, remember how um, Tetsuo I, says like, so what? You're gonna keep giving me medicine to like calm me down and make me look all sickly like those kids? Like, mm. it's it's it makes them that way. Interesting. So the, they would become like those three kids would have become. Yeah. If they, they didn't have the medicine, they could have become that gross, like, meatball monster. Uh, mm-hmm. That was kind of cool. It yeah. was kind of cool. <laughs> um, and I guess for me, I, I mean, obviously, I think it holds up, but I, like I said, I've seen it a lot. I would say the first time that I watched it, I remember being a little, like, I don't know if disappointed is the right word to put it, but, like, it was really hyped up. A lot of people I knew really liked it, and I watched it, and I was like, did we watch the same movie? Because... I'm really confused. I don't really understand. I mean, and this is me in like high school, right? So like I hadn't gone to art school. I didn't have this appreciation for film. And I've kind of continued to watch it over the years because like you said, Charles, I was like, I need to figure out what it is with this movie. Watched it again in college and was like, okay, you know what? No, like I get this. This is really cool, but I kind of want to watch it again. And something about it keeps pulling me back in every time. I'm like, you know what, maybe, you know, and now I've just decided I like it. I think it's really good. <laughs> I wonder if it's the Citizen Kane effect. Where yeah. the problem, because the problem with Citizen Kane is as much as it... Rosebud. <laughs> influ- it's, influ- a sled. it's a sled. 
It's a slip. Spoiler Spoilers alert. for Citizen Kane in a How podcast about a character. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, but anyway, the problem Citizen Kane, I think, has from a modern viewer is it influenced so much of modern filmmaking sure. and all filmmaking that came after it that it's hard to appreciate it for what it was mm -hmm. when it came out. Because there's so much and better. Because there's so much scenes that I've built. The back of Citizen Kane. Yeah, sure. that built on it. And I wonder if that's the same thing with Akira. Mm -hmm. Is that. Because watching it, there's a definitely, like, you immediately went, oh, it's just, like, Ghost in the Shell. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that isn't one of the reasons why, like, the first time you watched it and why I might even be going, like, am I going to watch this again? Is the fact that it was so influential that everything after it can be drawn back to mm -hmm. something in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I will, and, and another thing to, to keep in mind is that it is based off of um, a Japanese comic, a manga, as is most of their Japanese like animated films. They do that a lot. So, you know, you got to think, too, that this is a... a a theme that they're doing in a comic book. I mean, and that's not even just writing off the back of films at that point. That's novels and and all kinds of things that they're kind of taking from, you know. And and I don't I don't know what year the comic book was, but I mean, clearly it had to be in before '88. You know, I mean, it's just th these ideas that kind of keep coming, you know, from all these different places. I think it's really interesting. But yeah, I mean, so that's that's Akira, and I'm glad you guys liked it. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy Lights, Camera, Reaction, please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you want to stay ahead of the curve and avoid spoilers, for the next episode of Lights, Camera, Reaction, we watch the Stanley Kubrick film, Dr. Strangelove. Lights, Camera, Reaction is a podcast by Team Blue Post. If you always want to be aware of what we're up to, you can always follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Team Blue Post. That's all one word. You can also find out more at our website, www.teambluepost.com.